Hi, welcome to Way to Week Mystery. This is your host and author, J.C. Bodden. If you've been with me before, you'll know that each week I present a chapter from one of my novels. But this week, the problem is that I've already read all the books I've completed. Yes, there are more in the works. A couple that have just begun and one that's about a third of the way along. But nothing that is finished or even polished enough for a podcast. I had thought to just start again and do reruns of my first book, Someone to Watch Over Me. And I will do that starting next week. But a friend, who is also a listener, suggested that maybe I could do some sort of commentary. You know, talk a little bit about where I get my ideas from, and maybe some of my characters, that sort of thing. I thought it sounded like fun, so here we are. If there's something that you've been curious about, then I hope that today's podcast will scratch that itch. And if it doesn't, maybe you could head on over to my website and leave me a question or two that I can address in a future commentary type session. The link is in the podcast info. Oh, and thanks, Clay, for the suggestion for this week's podcast topic. So, where to begin? Maybe start with a little bit about myself. Yeah, J.C. Bodden is my pen name. Or at least it's not the name I go by in my real life, although it is based on my maiden name. I first started using my pen name when I self-published Someone to Watch Over Me. At the time I had written that book, as well as Not on My Watch, which, as you know, if you've been listening to my podcasts, it has some, let's call it adult content. At any rate, when I decided to go down the road of self-publishing, which is a story unto itself, maybe even one for a future commentary podcast, I was teaching in a public high school. I totally understand my First Amendment rights as far as freedom of expression is concerned, and I, I'll be honest, I don't really think that the sex scenes in any of my books are in any way wrong or exploitive, but I do acknowledge that they can be fairly explicit and not really appropriate for younger readers. Shortly after I had finished Not on My Watch, one of the teachers in my school, in fact, whom I do love, by the way, accused me somewhat jokingly of writing smut. I am a firm believer that most jokes have a ring of truth to them, and if someone who's a friend thinks that about my work even just a little bit, I can only imagine what others, particularly parents of my students, might think. So because I really didn't want some parent of one of my students coming across my work and hauling me in front of the school board to explain myself, the name J.C. Bodden was born. I've never made it super secret, though, so if you go to my website or order one of my print-on-demand books, you will see my actual photo. At any rate, I'm no longer teaching, having retired from that gig in 2018, but I'm planning on sticking with the pen name anyway. Like I said, it's based on my maiden name, or as some might say, my real name, but that's something of an inside joke. Anyway, it suits me. Besides, if it's good enough for Diana Gabaldon, the author of the Outlander series, to use her maiden name as her pen name, well, it's good enough for me. Now, the next section of this podcast is going to have major spoilers. I know a lot of people who hate spoilers of any kind, so if you haven't read or listened to my novels and you hate spoilers, then stop right now and go back and give them a listen before you come back here. Seriously, I'm not joking around. Keep listening at your own risk, okay? I mean it. Okay, now that that's out of the way, next topic. A lot of people ask me where I get my ideas for my books. The easy answer is everywhere. I love to people watch. I pay attention to and remember things about the people around me, the situations, the things people say and the way they say them, interesting tidbits people tell me about things that have happened to them. 
My sister actually bought me a t-shirt that said, careful or I'll put you in my novel, and that's pretty accurate. But seriously, I've been telling and writing stories for most of my life. I wrote some Star Trek fan fiction when I was in high school, as well as a lot of other short stories. I never really thought that I could make a living at it, though. I majored in biology in college and still feel that science is my first love. At any rate, I had one very influential high school English teacher, Mrs. Candace McPhee. Yay for teachers! One day, Mrs. McPhee read one of my creative writing assignments out loud to the class. I was late coming into class that day because I was in the marching band. Yes, I was. Am. That much of a geek. And we had had a pep rally that morning. So she had already started reading my story to the rest of the class, and I don't know what she said about it to them before she read it. But I did get an A on the assignment, and she did ask me later to be the editor of the school literary magazine after that, so I suppose she thought it was pretty good. At any rate, that one tiny act by someone I respected and admired was enough to give me the confidence to continue working on my stories. So, yeah, here we are now. Thanks, Ms. McPhee, wherever you are. So for the rest of today's podcast, let's concentrate on my first novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. Please remember what I said about spoilers. Now is the time to turn this off for sure if you don't want to get spoiled. It took me a long time to write Someone to Watch Over Me because I actually began working on it about 40 years ago or so. But having a full-time teaching career, not to mention raising a family, kept me too busy to spend much time with it. The story itself, however, grew out of a, let's call it an urban myth, that centered around the dorm where I lived and worked as an RA while I was attending Auburn University. The myth was that a university maintenance worker had made himself a little hidey hole up in the attic, drilling holes so that he could spy on the women living below. This is supposed to have occurred long before I lived there, but the myth sowed the seeds in my mind. Some of the other things that happened in the book, in fact, items stolen from some of the residents, the water heaters not functioning, the fire chief fussing at us all in the middle of the night because someone set off a false fire alarm. All those things actually did happen while I was resident advisor. But the major events of the story, of course, Amy Patterson's attack and murder and the stalking and eventual kidnapping of Jenny did not actually occur. Also, as a side note, I do not have red hair, although one of my fellow RAs at the dorm did. However, as I wrote the book and Joe Halliday's character got more and more developed in my mind, I simply couldn't bring myself to make him the evil maintenance worker spying on the women living in the dorm, as was the case in the original myth. He was too good-hearted, too pure, despite his very much less-than-ideal upbringing. And by the way, as a total aside, I have a very difficult time when the bad guy in a story is simply bad because of their early environment. It's such a false narrative, isn't it? As if money and attentive parents are the only prerequisites to making sure that a person is a happy and well-functioning member of society. I call bullshit on that idea. I don't know exactly what makes people bad, but I do know that people raised by loving parents can be criminals, just as people raised in difficult or challenging circumstances can be wonderful and moral humans. Okay, enough with the soapbox. I'm stepping down. Joe Halliday simply turned into one of my favorite characters. He's just so adorable, not to mention sexy. Obviously, he was very impacted by his upbringing. And aren't you just furious, by the way, with both of his parents? But he's a good man with a good heart. I'm happy to report that there's another book with him and Jenny as the main characters that is in the works, but it's still probably at least a year, if not two, away. 
But don't worry, Joe will definitely be back, and we will learn a little bit more about him and what makes him tick. Speaking of characters and someone to watch over me, a lot of people wonder if Jenny is really me, and I suppose that's natural given that her narrative in the book is written from the first-person point of view. The easy answer is no, she's not me, but really, it's a little bit more complicated than that. I mean, I probably do identify with her in lots of ways. I certainly did while I was in college, have my head turned by a pretty boy for a while, and and oh yeah, don't y'all want to know who that character, Carrie Wagner, is based on? Well, I will tell you that the way he looks is based on one guy, but the way he acts is totally based on a different guy, and that it was that bad boy guy who turned my head when I was in college. But I'm not going to tell you his name, or their names. In fact, I'm not going to tell y'all who any of my characters are based on. If you know me, then you might be able to figure some of it out, but really, the people in my stories and the people in my life are all separate and unique individuals. So Jenny isn't really me any more than any of the other characters are me or a particular person, despite the fact that some of me is in each of my characters. Jenny's father, Devlin, is, as you might have figured out if you've read or listened to all of the books, probably my favorite of all of the characters. He's not too developed in Someone to Watch Over Me, but of course he is the main character in the subsequent books, with the exception of Echo Chamber, the most recent. As a side note, Unnatural Selection was actually written after Not on My Watch and Night Watch, despite the fact that chronologically it comes between Someone to Watch Over Me and Not on My Watch. I realized that I wanted to give the background as to why Mike Tigan hated Devlin so very much. It was interesting to write an in-between novel, so to speak, where I had the threads from the beginning, as were presented in Someone to Watch Over Me, and those from the end, from Not on My Watch, And I had to figure out how to connect them all. It was a good challenge. A friend who has only read Unnatural Selection, I know, what's up with that, said that he thought Devlin's character was a little too good, calling him a Sheriff Andy Taylor type guy. But I think the totality of his personality isn't like that at all. And for what it's worth, there's another book in the works where we, spoiler alert again, find out a little bit more about the thread regarding the hit contract that was put out on Tess's killer. But again, that's for a story that's a ways off. Really no more at this point than a rather vague idea in the back of my head. So now that we've talked a little bit about story ideas and character inspiration, what about the actual how-to of writing, or at least my particular how-to? I realize that every author has a different method. Some writers plan and outline every single detail about a story before they ever start to write, while others are much more organic and just sort of throw their characters into a setting or conflict and see what happens. I personally am somewhere in between those two extremes. When I start a book, I have a fairly good idea of the beginning and the end, but the middle is kind of a mystery, which is interesting because, haha, I write mysteries. So, a lot of things have to be rewritten to make the narrative flow more smoothly. Things like clues for the reader and aha type moments, not to mention those misdirections that every good mystery needs. Those things have to be added in later once the arc of the story is completed. A lot of my writing time is spent actually editing previously written scenes, making them fit together in a way that makes sense. And as far as the scenes themselves, they sort of play out in my head as if I was watching a movie. Many times that means that the first draft is really rough and doesn't include a lot of detail, just the barest trace of the action that needs to happen. 
Then I go back, at times almost obsessively, until I've got all the specifics included. Dialogue is especially important to me. I'm a very auditory person. So I will frequently read sections out loud to myself in order to hear the sound of my characters' voices. In case you hadn't figured it out by now, I am from the South, as are most of my characters, so they tend to speak in that vernacular. They say things like that they are fixing to do something, or that they're going to carry somebody to the store, or whatever. I love to read mysteries myself, and I have very strong opinions about what makes a good one. I really hate it when the bad guy turns out to be someone that was introduced in the final chapter of the book. I much prefer my killers to be someone that the reader has been wondering about, or at least someone that they've seen or heard from before in the story. That's probably my cardinal rule for the mystery aspect of my books. So, as far as my method is concerned, I'm not really an outliner per se, but I do have the overall arc of the story in my head before I begin writing. I keep a notebook where I jot down ideas about characters or scenes or dialogue. I have one for each of the books. It's interesting to go back and read early ideas or plot points that have been discarded and replaced by something that, I hope, works out better in the story. Okay, well, I think that's enough of me rambling on about all this stuff. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's commentary. Starting next week, I plan on rerunning Someone to Watch Over Me, but just putting up one chapter at a time. I originally put up, I think, five chapters each week because, well, we were in the middle of a pandemic and I felt that people might be more likely to want to binge on things. But please, if there is something that you're wondering about and would like me to address in a future commentary-type podcast, please head on over to my website and leave me a comment. The link, as always, is in the podcast info. Thanks for listening, and as always, I hope your wait will be a happy one.